Chapter 7, Fighting Words Luke eleven twenty one and 22 When a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. If you were one of Jesus' disciples, and you happened to be standing right next to him when you heard someone accuse him, challenge him, slander him, or call him out, how would you have responded? As Jesus drew nearer to his goal of the cross, this kind of opposition was heating up to a boiling point. The religious authorities hated Jesus, and they were trying to get rid of him. By this time, they would use any means necessary to bring him in and tear him down. The scribes and Pharisees wanted Jesus dead, but they knew that before they could pull that off, they had to somehow turn public opinion against him. That in itself would be a major problem because Jesus was massively popular. After his arrest, when our Lord faced the Roman governor, we're told that Pilate knew that Jesus had been handed over to him for judgment because of the envy of the religious leaders. That's what this was really all about. The people loved Jesus. They listened to him. They followed him. And the leadership was jealous. They wanted that following, pure and simple. So, if you're jealous of an incredibly popular public figure and you want to steal their audience, how do you do it? Well, it turns out that politicians have always been professionals at this sort of thing, even back in Bible times. They knew that if you could create a scandal to smear that person's good name, it would be over. The great thing about a smear campaign is that it doesn't even have to be true. You could just make up something completely false, accuse them of it, and then get a soundbite of them denying it, and then that becomes the whole story in every rumor mill. It turns out that once people hear a piece of gossip, they can't really unhear it, even if it's completely false or just totally stupid. These jealous religious leaders couldn't deny the miraculous power that was at work in Jesus. Entire villages of people had witnessed him healing incurable diseases with a word or a touch. Thousands had eaten the food he miraculously and instantly produced out of basically nothing. He had calmed storms, cast out evil spirits, and even raised people from the dead. They couldn't pretend he was a fake or a phony. So, they invented the idea that he was driving out demons by the power of Satan. In other words, they tried to smear his good name by saying he had made a deal with the devil to get these powers of healing restoration, and life. Of course, all you have to do is use your brain for five seconds to realize that the devil is all about pain, cruelty, dissension, and death. So how in the world could he give a person the kind of power he doesn't even have or want? Jesus was working the kinds of miracles that fly in the face of everything Satan cares about. Jesus was undoing the work of the devil so how could he be on Satan's payroll? It wasn't just a false accusation, but it was also kind of a stupid one that really didn't make any sense. I mean, why would you hire a contractor to tear down the house you have so painstakingly been building for thousands of years? 
In Luke 11, Jesus drove out an evil spirit from a man who had been mute. When the spirit had gone, the man spoke again, and most of the crowd was amazed. But not all of them. Some folks started whispering the story that they had read in the tabloids about Jesus making a deal with the devil. The ploy of the politicians had worked. Jesus knew what was going on, so he spoke up for the whole crowd to hear and flatly denied the ridiculous story and then said, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But... When someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. Now, these folks didn't realize it, but they had all just convened for a press conference in which the commander-in-chief of the Lord's armies outlined the battle plan and the great war against Satan and all his minions. In other words, Jesus was saying, The devil is strong and fortified. He's had an impressive run in this world, but when the fires of war are kindled and someone much stronger comes along, it's all going to topple down. He may be strong, but I'm much stronger. I'm going to attack Satan. I'm going to destroy his fortifications. I'm going to plunder his house. I'm going to release captives and plant my flag of victory in his front garden. Buckle up. It's about to get real. The amazing thing to me about the cross is that both the bad guys and the good guys wanted it. In other words, The religious leadership of Jerusalem wanted Jesus dead. They plotted and planned a way to kill him. Satan entered Judas so that he would betray the Lord. The devil was moving all the pieces of his battle strategy into place in order to execute Jesus. But that's just the beginning because Jesus was also planning the cross. In fact, When all of his enemies were tirelessly working out a way to get rid of him, what they didn't realize was that this had always been the plan of the Holy Trinity from before the creation of the world. Jesus's death on the cross was his idea, and he was in total control of every detail of the process the entire time. As Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross, The scribes and Pharisees thought they had won. I guess Satan thought he had won as well, but they were all wrong. The stronger man was about to claim the greatest victory of all time. Jesus was plundering Satan's kingdom, and he was plundering it with love. Selfless, sacrificial love was about to lay waste the treasury of the devil Jesus turned a seeming defeat into the greatest victory of all history. He transformed what looked like the worst tragedy into total triumph. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul says that Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. (laughs) The death of Jesus was his ultimate attack on the devil and it was his outright conquest over evil. 
For more on this, get to a quiet place. Read Luke 11, 14 through 22, and Colossians 2, 13 through 15. How did the death of Jesus take his enemies by surprise? And what does it do for your heart to know that he was really in control and winning a great victory the whole time? Take a moment and talk with him about this. Mm-hmm.